New Belgium brags about their worst tasting beer. The best of solar powered beer. And have you ever been at a bar and thought, how many bubbles are in my beer? I've never been that high. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer, the answer to the question, what it would be like if the Wall Street Journal went on a week-long bender of craft beer and woke up in a hop field in Wilder with no memories and a stolen uh, street sign. I'm Jeremy Jones. Bravo, that was an excellent one. I am Tyler Zimmerman. <laughs> Welcome back from your uh, escapades in uh, in Southern California. Yep, my weekend-long bender down there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you have, uh, do you, do you, do you go on things that aren't vendors? Uh, occasionally, but name two. Family vacations. How are how are the Zimmerman family vacations not vendors? My parents don't drink a lot. Oh, wow! They so, then somewhere when uh, took a terrible turn, or oh, or, they used to, or an awesome. Say, okay, there we go. There we go. Now the truth comes out. Uh, well, cool. Uh, speaking of which, what are we what are we drinking today? You brought uh, you brought some uh, uh, stuff that we can't get here from uh, uh, from the vast lands beyond. Yeah, from both of my trips that I've done recently, uh, brought uh, Bowie Brewing Company's Hellas Lager from my Oregon trip, the three ninety four Pale Ale from Alesmith, uh, and the Vienna Lager from uh, Epic Brewing out of San Diego. Ep- oh, Epic. I'm like, Epic's yep. not in San Diego. <laughs> Epic. Epic. Well, let's start with the Vienna Lager. Sweet. Let's crack it up. So this is their pre-prohibition style lager. Uh, really nice, uh, like, caramel malt uh, uh, aroma. Mm-hmm. Uh, 4.6% ABV, uh, 18 IBUs. So um, Nice bready aroma with just a, uh, a touch of spicy hops. But not much... Not much in the flavor. It's a, it's much much lighter in the flavor. It almost um, first the first taste is like oh I was expecting a little bit more like breadiness, a little bit more uh, a little bit more uh, 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 malt there. But so the first can I had of this seemed way smokier. Say okay, that's what I'm picking up. Like is this thing is this a smoked Vienna Lager? They do have smoke in it. The, the tasting notes are toasty, smoke, and clean. Okay, well, I mean, I feel like smoke and clean don't belong together, but I mean, well, but I gotta say, I mean, though the, though the smoke is present, the answer the the answer I get is is there smoke? Not okay. That's fucking smoky. And the can I had when I was down in San Diego, that bitch tasted smoky. This is like a hint of like, a, this is like almost more like a hint of roastiness that makes you go. Is it and over toast? Or? or yeah, is it is it smoke? Is that that I'm getting? No, that's. That's and I nice. like how it blended a lot better on this one. So yeah, maybe it was just my palate the day I had the first one. Or how drunk were you when you had a, had the first one? Sober. Oh well, that there you go. So yeah. how sober are you now? Sober. <laughs> okay. Well, then that's I, then I feel like we have to eliminate that uh, factor. Just different can, different can with slightly different. Yeah. Uh, this, this one's been on a plane and maybe mishandled by virtue of the fact that true. You know, it wasn't cold on the wasn't cold in your suitcase. No, uh, so it won a twenty eighteen gold medal at GABF uh, for their session beer. Rock on category. So nice job, Epic. Uh, they made some killer beers that I had down there, uh, and 
we actually have a little local connection to him. Really? How so? Uh, one of the former Edge uh, sales reps, uh, Keith Bender, is one of their sales reps. Really? When he moved back down to San Diego, he started yeah. working for them. Fair enough. Okay. Well, cool. You sell, you sell a good beer. So we've all heard breweries brag about how delicious their beers are. I mean, we just talked about how Epic threw the fucking gold medal on their label. I mean, uh, when you win a gold medal at GABF, I'm not sure how you don't make that the label. So, uh, but have you ever heard of a brewery proudly talking about their worst tasting beer? I believe Stone do it, does it all the time, but... <laughs> we almost had a spit to live spit take right there. <laughs> uh, you're in the firing line, though. So, okay, outside of stone, uh, New Belgium is uh, just unveiled uh, what they call their worst tasting beer uh, as part of an effort uh, to showcase that uh, they're carbon neutral as a brewery and uh, try to inspire change uh, with climate change or else this may be what most beers taste like. Uh, so this is... Uh, beer is called the Torched Earth Ale. Uh, it's a new beer brewed with smoke-tainted water, dandelions, and drought-resistant grains. Uh, the reason they did this is New Belgium estimates that would be the only ingredients available to the brewing industry in a climate-ravaged future. So no hops. They had to use, they're using dandelion root for bitterness, I'm assuming. Yep. Because... The because the if it gets too hot in the uh, in in Oregon and Washington that 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 growing area moves further north. Yep, uh, and uh, the ale which they describe themselves as pretty gnarly tasting. <laughs> so when they're even like, what 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 have we wrought? Yeah, uh, it's part of their last call for climate change. Uh, it's recently been launched under their. Fat Tire brand of their flagship brew, uh, which is America's first certified carbon neutral beer. Uh, and if you remember, actually, on the podcast last year, I want to say for Earth Day, they jokingly put price tags for Fat Tire at $500 a six pack. Right. I remember or it was that. like 100 bucks a six pack or something like that. What it would what 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 the uh, uh what the assumed cost of these ingredients will be when you can no longer grow barley in most of the uh, uh most of the Midwest or actually Idaho. Idaho. Um and yeah, hops have to, you know are, are the hop farms are ravaged. Yep. So, uh they stayed true to their messaging on Earth Day and actually found a way to Kind of grab bigger headlines. I'm kind of curious. I hope you can't. I hope you can't buy a six pack of this because if it's that awful. <laughs> uh, in the article, it did say, uh, you know, they talked about how they're a medium sized company, so they can only do so much to affect yeah. climate that uh, consumers need to start demanding more from the companies they are buying from uh, to have a bigger impact on slowing climate change. Uh, it is only available for curbside and to-go sales at its Fort Collins Liquid Center, uh, which is still closed to in-person drinking due to the pandemic. Um, so if you want smoked 
smoke-tainted dandelion. Now, all right, the drought-resistant grain is a little... I mean, I don't know if that would be acceptably worse. I mean, if you're talking about drought-resistant barley? Yeah, but I don't know if you're going to get the same flavor that you would from like a... From your from your standard two row, yeah. If you're a standard two row barley, it's a good question. I mean, I'm kind of that. I'm really intrigued by this and would actually really want to try it. I imagine it tastes smoky and bitter. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you're, I mean, that's what they're any any odd. Well, maybe the grain would be husky or too, or like there's too. too or it's gonna have a real thin mouthfeel, so it'll probably taste just like the delicious IPA from Stone. <laughs> It would be a, it would be sad and alarming to drink it and go, you know, this is still better than most of the things Stone uh, has brewed lately. <laughs> wow, we are just really just making them our whipping post right now. I mean, it's I I don't know why I came out of the gate wanting to <laughs> wanting to shame Stone, but here we are now. We're gonna well, get cease and desist. <laughs> hey, I haven't named anything Stone. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they've gotten to the point. They're just like we're on a free lawyer right now. Uh, We've got our ten punches. Anyone, anyone who says the word Stone, sue them. <laughs> uh, that's gonna that's gonna make a, a, a things awkward for at least one filmmaker. <laughs> They're like. He's infringing on the trademark. <laughs> I know it's it, it's if anything his great great grandfather wherever that name came from they impinged on a trademark that didn't exist yet. What's the matter with you? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna sue a dead person. <laughs> it can be done. Uh, well, Jeremy, what do we got next? Well, speaking of uh, uh, of uh, uh, breweries moving uh, toward more sustainable practices, uh, beer from the sun news now. Um, Firestone Walker announced earlier this year that in honor of their 25th anniversary, uh, they completed a massive uh, 2.1 megawatt solar array and a uh, 281 kilowatt solar carport project. Um, Altogether, this is now one of the largest uh, solar energy uh, systems uh, in craft beer, and it'll actually provide the majority of all the electricity the uh, the brewery is going to need. or as uh, craftbrewingbusiness.com reported, uh, enough to brew uh, 6 million cases of beer a year. Damn. Um, it can, and it can produce uh, uh, 4,055 megawatt hours um, this year. Um, and it's not the only one, actually. In honor of Earth Day, I saw a lot of news stories pop up because for some reason Google thinks I'm interested in brewery news. Who would, who would have thought? Um, but I saw a lot of stories pop up about solar-powered beer. Um uh, NTV News in uh, Ord, Nebraska. <laughs> Did you say NTV or NTV. MTV? No, NTV. They both play the same amount of music, I'm assuming? Absolutely. NTV actually, might actually play more? I'm guessing, yes. Um, and probably better music. <laughs> um, NTV in Ord, Nebraska reported that Scratch Town became the first brewery in that state to be solar powered. Uh, they produce 80% of the electricity they need. Nice. Um, Lawson's Finest Liquids in uh, Waitsfield, Vermont. We've talked yep. about them before. Uh, they announced plans to uh, build an installation that produces 50% of the electricity for awesome. them. Awesome. Anderson Valley, uh, the the brewery you probably think of when you think of solar powered beer. They were yep. they've been putting on their cans for and caps and. Mm-hmm. It's been it's a uh, uh, a lot of their branding is based around that. Um, 
um, they announced that they're going to expand their solar power array. Um, previously, it was only providing 40% of their power. It is actually now going to provide 100% awesome. of the power for uh, their brewery. And actually, fun fact, AB InBev committed to last year to being 100% solar powered across the board in what Forbes magazine reported as the largest pan-European corporate solar deal ever achieved. Please tell me you're going to go right where I think, right where I hope you saw happen on Twitter with this, too. No, I didn't see what happened oh. on Twitter. No, please, uh, please burst this bubble. So, because I'm like looking at this going, God, I have to give credit to AB InBev. Well, you still kind of do. Congratulations. But uh, they posted something. They bought a billboard over in Europe by one of the soccer stadiums of the soccer club that is. Uh, carbon neutral or carbon negative uh and said hey we should be the official beer of you guys uh cheers to you for being carbon negative or whatever uh we that should only make sense that we're the official beer of you because we're going to 100 percent solar power uh the soccer club and brew dog both responded and go uh too late Brewdog's the official beer of us because they're carbon negative. So, <laughs> I'm just an environmental uh, 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 um, uh, penis on the table uh, yeah. uh, competition, <laughs> and just watching like people in the comments be like, uh, "Brewdog already did that." Uh, <laughs> I mean, but you're again, a little late to the game. I again. T- to AB InBev's credit, I haven't had to uh, uh, scream the phrase, you done fucked up, AB InBev, which I had to do with BrewDog. True. (laughs) But they're Indianapolis division. It's slightly different. Anyway, (laughs) what, with all this going on, I felt it was worth taking just a second to talk about brewing beer with solar power and what that actually entails. Um, As we mentioned before, uh, in fact, I think I I named the episode that, um, Brewing beer is a lot of temperature. Yes. Um, and if you're not familiar with the process, it goes something like this. You take grain and water, you heat it up to about 150 degrees, you separate this liquid from the grain, and then you heat it to boiling. That's two heatings. After about an hour of boiling, you cool it down to about 75 degrees. From there, you, you let the yeast take over, and the beer has to be maintained at about 65 degrees while the yeast is doing their thing. Which, by the way, the yeast doing their thing actually produces causes, heat. causes a lot of heat, so you generally have to cool this at the best of times. And that's for an ale. A lager has to be cooled down to 55. And once that's done fermenting, it's cooled to about 35 and then carbonated. Then kegged and bottled and cold stored until it gets to you. So it's a wide range of temperatures that have to be And cooling it from boiling to 75, you got to do it quick. Yes. Well, a lot of... uh, I mean, a lot of this stuff happened quick, but yes, I mean, you have to... Um, you, you, yeah, you, it literally comes out of the boiler in most cases, out of the kettle, and goes through a heat exchanger and goes into the uh, fermenter yeah. at the fermentation temperature. So there's a lot of major temp swings that have to happen and use a lot of energy. Um, actually, um, a microbrewery producing uh, 15,000 barrels a year, so a moderately sized, um, you know, like a mid-sized microbrewery, they will chew through 180,000 to 330,000 330, kilowatt hours every year. Uh, for comparison, the, ad, the average U.S. household uses just a little over 10,000 per year. So 
all the electricity you, you you that a brewery uses that sorry all the electricity that you probably use in your house couldn't keep a mid-sized brewery running at the low end of the scale for a month and actually at the high end of the scale it could barely do a week damn so just that's that's the kind of energy we're talking about here um what I'm saying is that there's a little bit of incentive for a, a brewery to produce its own energy besides touchy-feel goods of being able to make beer that makes life less shitty while making the earth less shitty in the process. Um, they're saving on energy costs, and according to an article from EnergySage.com, easily runs, well, it can easily save a, a, an operation $25,000 to $50,000 per year. Damn. So, you know, a decent... A decent full-time employee. Yeah. And... Or in the craft beer industry, like, three of them. <laughs> so the whole taproom staff Spot right there. the lie. <laughs> Not to mention that there's generally... There's just a good thing about general energy independence, which... Kind of handy. Just ask the good people of Texas how how uh, much uh, energy independence is uh, probably a good thing. I don't want to be mean or nothing, but, uh, you know... For all the shit certain governors gave imaginary Green New Deals in Texas, I'll bet they would have taken a couple of solar arrays if they hadn't been outright lied to by gas and oil companies. But I digress. <laughs> Being able to keep things functioning when the shit hits the fan is a good thing. And, in fact, part of Anderson Valley's project is to be able to, um, uh, to produce enough, store, and export um, some power into the grid um, not only uh, just generally to uh, help it cost, but to uh, uh, keep things in the town humming in case of uh, shutdowns from wildfires, oh. which have been, you know, there. Growing. Really. The downside, of course, it requires a lot of money to get something like this started. Also, something that's not really discussed in any of the articles that I mentioned, you also need a sizable chunk of space on which to do these. Firestone Walker's fancy new solar array takes up 9.7 acres. Holy fuck. And again, this will supply the majority, but not the entirety, of Firestone Walker's uh, energy use. So, you know, handy if you have a destination brewery, you know, out in the outskirts of some, you know, rolling hills and hop fields where there's basically endless space on all sides. Mm-hmm. Bit harder if you're crammed into an industrial space in an old warehouse district that's quickly turning into a hipster mecca. Yep. I was going to say, hard to throw it on top of that strip mall. <laughs> Um, and let's face it, carport panels and sticking a few on the roof can only do so much. It helps, but, you know, there's only so much space. Although, as, uh, as I'm going to mention, some of them have been pretty effective at using their roof space. Um, but for those who can manage it, um, there is actually a beer competition just for beer uh, pr- uh, produced with solar power. Um, okay. Brewed from the sun is... Does it have to be... Hundred no. percent, or just if they have some solar power. If they they, I didn't wade in wade in too deeply what their stipulations are, but it, but I can tell you it does not have to be a hundred percent. Okay, some portion of your of your brewery has to be run on solar power, and I don't know if there's a low cap. If you can, I don't know if you can like put one solar power on solar panel on your roof and use it to power your radio and say, yep, we're, <laughs> but maybe you can. I don't know. Nor do I judge. Uh, the last awards were actually in 2019 because, you know, <laughs> yeah. everything kind of ended in 2019. Uh, but they divide up the sizes by 
brew pubs, microbreweries, and regional breweries. Um, and just there's a couple of stories I want to talk about here from the uh, 2019 awards. Um, Canal Park Brewing Company won first in the brew pub category, the smallest. They're located in Duluth, Minnesota, on the banks of Lake Superior. They managed to hold on to some land to keep it from, keep it from developers who wanted to turn it into a parking lot, and put a 60, 16 kilowatt system in. Um, might be worth checking out, although I'm curi- curious to know if the parking there is a bitch or not. <laughs> it's a reasonable question. Maybe you needed parking. <laughs> um, also in uh, also on the brew pub uh, uh, size, Shy Bear Brewing out of uh, Lewistown, Pennsylvania. Uh, 89 kilowatt system and also uh it appears they use like every linear piece of space on their roof for solar paneling and the and the uh, brew pub looks amazing i'm gonna put a uh, throw up a picture uh, of it on uh, instagram um i should probably have uh, prepared for this and showed tyler but uh which i will do now hold on (laughs) uh just to deviate a little i'm actually surprised uh why you're pulling this up that Really, no breweries in the valley here um, have gotten into the solar panel game uh, because Boise, we get three hundred some sunny days a year, uh, a hell of a lot more than Duluth, Minnesota. <laughs> so, and I know at least uh, Loose Screw, formerly Bella Brewing, uh, has an all-electric brew system. Where a lot of places in town use uh, a natural gas-fired brew system. So I would assume that if you had an all-electric, you'd be trying to figure out how to do a solar panel to really cut down your cost. Okay, that's pretty fucking dope. <laughs> uh, like I said, I'll throw a, I'll throw a picture up on uh, on Instagram so that you know more than people more people than just uh, Tyler can see it. But they're also available at. Uh, uh, brewed from brews from the sun.org um in the microbrewery uh, uh brewery category the only interesting thing is that all the winners are from north carolina all of them <laughs> damn so i mean again nothing uh, uh um and on the regional brewery um the winner was maui um who not only is one of the first breweries in the country to brew with 100 percent uh solar power but again also makes uh, pretty spectacular use of uh, their building. There's a uh, po- just popped up an aerial right. just popped up an aerial view of the uh, uh, of the brewery, and again, pretty much every square inch is uh, is 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 used, and they man- and they managed to get 100 uh, percent of their energy from them. Second place, New Belgium, which we just talked about, uh, mm-hmm. um, and actually they uh, pioneered businesses uh, coordinating with utilities to incorporate solar power in Colorado back in 2010, and third. Boulevard, because, you know, they love them some sustainable energy. Employees who may or may not be pregnant, not so much. But sustainable energy, they like. <laughs> On a side note, if anyone wonders how much longer I'm going to attend to bring up this shit about Boulevard and Founders and BrewDog, the answer is until they make concerted and concerted effort to fix their shit. Or maybe until me and Tyler end this podcast, you know, we, we end this podcast because we're leaving this industry broken and miserable men. <laughs> That's probably going to happen first, but until then. Um, but there's al- hope that they change. <laughs> and also, the Alchemist was actually on the list of breweries that entered in the in the regional. Okay. Um, don't know how they didn't beat the fuck out of Boulevard, but I mean, one brewery basically invented the New England IPA, and the other, you know, 
Hall's, Hall's employees in front of a pregnancy tribunal. <laughs> I'm guess I'm saying Alchemist should have won third place at least, but you don't know what styles they were <laughs> they entered. Or... I don't know the I don't know what the what the basis of you know uh, how judging can go. <laughs> I don't know, or even if it had anything to do with their beer or anything else. I'm just saying, fuck Boulevard. I'll, I'll, I'm awarding Alchemist third place. I, I'm sure they are patiently awaiting their medal from you. Um, I'm actually watching the site. I'm sure it'll update any second. Well, Perfect. While we're waiting for that, uh, Tyler, what's the next beer? Well, we're going to pop over uh, to Bowie Brewing. Got a Astoria Oregon. I've had this beer before. It's, it's, it, is a, it is a perfect beach beer. Oh, yeah. So it's their Hellas Lager, uh, which is one of my favorite styles. Maltier than a Pilsner. Um a little bit more balanced that direction, but clean and drinkable. Yeah, this is a nice style. And I feel it's very underserved. I, I mean, I think uh, uh, I have a lot of people like uh, uh, you know want something light but not very hoppy, and that's where I usually direct them towards a Hell's Lager because Pilsner's good German Pilsner. Let's face it's gonna it, gonna be hoppier. Mm-hmm. Yes, nice, uh, like nice Pilsner malt aroma. Yeah, nice clean, just a touch of like fruity esters on there, like. Mm-hmm. A little upfront kind of sweetness mm-hmm. before it just finishes off nice and clean. Yeah, right in the back, I get like a little bit of like a little bit of ester, which is is not bad. But yeah, that's quite nice. All right, next story. Well, we're really kind of sticking with an Earth Day fucking trend here. Well, why not? It was not too long ago. Um, we're gonna talk about Pactex and they're kind of paradox they're running into uh saw this article from vine pair called the plus the Pactech plastic paradox uh and do they get do they do they get uh, paid by the alliteration at vine pair these days right? <laughs> apparently fuck i hate it when uh, uh magazines and newspapers like start alliterating <laughs> You're like we get it yeah you know the english language super clever okay i'm uh, done i'm done uh, uh bitching about vine pair uh but uh, if you're thinking, what the fuck is a Pactech? You've probably struggled with it here in the valley, getting a beer undone. I mean, if, if you're anywhere in craft beer, as near as I can tell, you've definitely you've definitely wrestled with these in the Northwest and West Coast specifically. I've seen them. I, I've seen them uh, uh, elsewhere, They're nationwide. But yeah. I feel on the East Coast, it's fewer Not, and far between. Fair enough. Um, but it's those round plastic caps that hold your six-pack together that are made from 100% recycled material uh, and help turtles not getting caught and dying in them. Which, we it's all beer support. We do not actually want to kill tur. There's like three turtles I want to kill. Um, that's only because Leonardo died uh, as well he should have. Yeah? Yes. You didn't know that. Yeah, one of the Ninja Turtles died. Really? Yeah. Splinter finally no, no. get him? Yeah, I mean, well, it was like a murder-suicide thing. Oh, yeah? Uh, it turns out that once they grow up, you know, they... He was jerking off with his uh, uh-huh. face mask tied around his neck. Absolutely, and, yeah. yes. Wow, that... <laughs> <laughs> hey, I just went... I just opened the door. You went to an autoerotic asphyxiation, Tyler. <laughs> As all things tend to go with you. Uh, well, now that we got a breath of fresh air... Uh, <laughs> So, uh, the article, they kind of get in and they talk about uh, how back in 2018, uh, bef- 
Pac-Tech stopped and took a look, and we're like, well, you know, instead of doing fresh plastic for all this, we're going to turn this into recycled plastic to help reduce the amount of plastic in our supply chain as well as, uh, you know, the amount of plastic out in the market as a whole. Um, and then they thought, well, what's kind of going to be the best way to do this? Uh, because once they ship it out, that's one thing. But how can they keep that going? Uh, because a lot of times they were finding they'd get to a sorting facility and then just get passed along, not make it through to the right spot, or just thrown away, never to be seen again. So they started a PacTech return program where uh, businesses, whether breweries, bottle shops, whatever, can reach out to PacTech, say, hey, we'd like to be involved in this. PacTech will send you some posters, some information, and a bin to recycle all your PacTechs in. Um, and then once the bin's full, you'll take it to a participating recycling center and they'll get it back to PacTech or use it to make park benches, something new made out of plastic. And just kind of keep that life cycle going. All well and good. Except when some participating recycling centers have minimums that are just outrageously high, like a full truckload of plastic containers is the minimum they'll accept. Jesus. Like a semi uh, well, like a... Full- like a 50-foot semi-trailer. That's a, that's a lot of pack techs. I have When they're a quarter of an inch thick. I mean, we go through we go through quite a lot at the bottle shop, and uh, you know we've probably gone through a truckload in our lifetime. Uh, no, no, actually, no, no, <laughs> no. That's uh, and so a lot of breweries that run into this that don't have access, uh, kind of run into the conundrum of okay, we'll just send it through like the curbside recycling pickup, and hopefully it makes it to the right spot. But it's really kind of defeating the purpose, and PacTech hasn't really been able to figure it out. Uh, they did interview, like, Deschutes, who their regional recycling center allows the minimum of just a bin being full. Mm-hmm. You can come dump it, and they'll take care of it, get it back to where it needs to go. Um, they also talked about how there's more partners for PacTech in the Northwest. Makes sense. PacTech being out of Eugene, Oregon. Um there are some here locally. Uh, I know the brewery I work for recycle has the recycling bin for them. Uh, I actually need to talk to my boss and find out if we've ran into the problem of having a minimum be accepted. Or yeah, that'd be interesting to that'd be interesting, interesting to know. Yes. So, because I'm like, if Idaho's doing better on recycling <laughs> than some other states, God help us all. I mean, let's be let's. The uh, 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 Idaho does better than no other state except for Mississippi. Um, literally, uh, it, it's if you look at any chart of anything, it, you know you look at the bottom two or top two or top two, states. depending which way they have. Flipped. Yeah, um, you know, depending on how how good or awful. If it's a good thing, then we're at the bottom. If it's a bad thing, we're at the top. It's us in Mississippi, and thank God Mississippi is always the worst. I think we should change our state motto to "We're better than Mississippi." Mississippi. <laughs> uh. <laughs> But uh, barely. <laughs> what the one of the first things I thought when I read this is 
it brought me back to a conversation I had with uh, the craft beer buyer for the Boise Co-op downtown. Because he was like, hey, do you guys, like, want some of these to, like, you know, hand package? And I'm like, no, we have an application machine. They don't really work. And PacTech recommends not using them in the application machine. Doing it by hand is fine. Um, which is a great option for people like in a bottle shop or yeah, yeah. something where they can just slap it onto a six-pack and here you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he was telling me that he found a guy in Garden City who actually will take them and recycle them, crush them up, and then turn them into 3D printing wire. That's a, Okay, that's, that's fucking cool. Which I was like, that's fucking awesome that he's able... He has the ability well, to transform these into something. I mean, the good news is that, that that they're you know ubiquitous, the same plastic. They're clean. They're not getting in contact. They're fucking everywhere. And so, yeah, yeah. It, it's a it's it seems to be a nice, easy source of plastic. You just have to melt it down and figure out how to work it. I think. I yeah. And that's I mean the the thing is is that you know. Don't really know how plastic recycling works, but I don't feel bad since nobody really knows how plastic recycling works. The whole thing is a gigantic shell game. So, <laughs> when we invented plastic, we weren't thinking how do we recycle it. I, I mean, I feel like it, I think you could end that sentence with "we weren't thinking." True. Full stop. Except for you know, plastic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, so. I wish I could remember the name, and if the guy is still accepting Pactex, let people know if they, there's another spot to return them. Uh, if there's anything like uh, um, like what we experience, uh, if, if word gets out that there's somebody accepting them, he's going to have a conga line outside his door. I at least once a day, I get I get somebody at least asking if we if uh, at our bottle shop we you know we reuse them, and our response is uh, yes, but we. You know, we we use the ones we get. Yeah, <laughs> we don't we don't use enough of these to warrant more. Yeah, and the crunch is kind of on Pack Tech right now, uh, with especially with COVID hitting and more places packaging their products. Uh, the demand has gone up for Pack Techs, and they're staying busier and busier, and so. That's putting more and more plastics out there. So I'd be curious to see if they can come up with a solution to the paradox or if more and more people who are trying to do that to be environmentally friendly just bite the bullet and start overboxing instead of using pack tech. For the record, let's just give up this the, the, the six-pack rings or the, or the pack techs and just do the cardboard boxes for a couple of reasons. Number one cardboard easily recyclable if not it's compostable you know not going to end up uh, 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 in, a, in a landfill for 10,000 years second of all um, I've worked in retail for uh, a long time you don't have to face the fucking I don't shelf to, I don't have to face the fucking shelf <laughs> you put a box there it's faced you have and to don't sit there and fucking twist the cans it's better from a branding perspective where you've got six sides where you can be fully marketable on it you can have logos you can have stories you can actually tell your brand story a little better than you can on a 12 ounce can label 
Well, that's it. Uh, it's all beer has just solved this. Um, let's just abandon uh, uh, the six-pack rings and the pack text. Let's just all do uh, uh, cardboard, and uh, everything will be happier. Done. We've got it. Yeah, and everyone's so, just got the extra money. To, that's the hard part with the cardboard. So, You know what? No, no, no. We solved it. We, we solved it. It's done. Or do more breweries start adopting kind of the Fremont method for... Like their head full of dynamite series, where it is the six pack holder oh God, made I out of cardboard. Fucking hate those! Oh my god, I, I got. Oh my god, I hate those so hard. There's like two breweries. The the head full of dynamite ones aren't bad. There is a brewery that will remain nameless. That <laughs> that. All right, to their credit, they're trying. Um, they have like these these like uh, um these cardboard four pack holders, but. They they actually ask the uh, uh, distributor to take them off and send them back. What? <laughs> to which our local distributor has basically told them, "No, fuck that." And by the way, after handling these things, you pick them up and all the cans fall out. I go, "Well, it's non-functional, so yeah. <laughs> Why would you want them back? Oh, Good shit. beer, horrible idea." Uh. So I'd be curious if anyone has any cool ideas of how they recycle their pack techs or do something fun with their pack techs. Let us know. Reach out to us. And any really kind of cool, genius ones we hear, we'll share on the show. Um, my favorite uh, um, just random one um, actually comes from um, Iron Horse. Um, at, at the at the, uh, 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 the flat of their beer, you know, um, uh, if you turn it around... It has like the cutout dotted lines to make a uh, a cornhole board um, where you crush a can. No, you crush a can, or it says use the pack or cut or clip the pack text. Ah, so you could so uh, if you get a whole case of uh, Iron Horse, um, you can you know flip the uh, flip the flat over, uh, clip your pack text, and play cornhole. Unfortunately, you then have to drink Iron, Iron Horse beer, which has gotten better recently, but is... Also, I'm pretty sure they switched over to all overboxing now, where, where they put them in the cardboard some, box instead of... Some of them. Um, let's see, well, I guess that's, I guess that's correct, because, they, yeah, they, have, they did do overboxing. At the time when they started it, they did, they did have pack deck, so... Yeah. So, you could do that. Now you have to play Cornhole with a crush can. Oh, darn. Which is, you know, still, still okay. What's the? Yeah, you brought one more beer for us. I did. Um, it is Alesmith's uh, 394 Pale Ale. Uh, it's a collaboration they made with Tony Gwynn, um, and kind of in commemoration of the his 1994 season, I want to say, where he hit 394 for the season. Oh yeah, of course, I remember that. Where um, um, he hit 394 balls um, into the outfield, which is where that number comes from. His batting average was 390. That's what I was saying. Yes, that's doesn't that's, necessarily <laughs> mean he hit 394 hits that year. And that's, I mean, and that's you know, God, point three nine four. I mean, I don't think a a, a, a batter has done worse because that's that's a piss poor batting average. I'm guessing point three nine four. It's a Hall of Fame batting average. Like I said, it's a really good batting average. Really, that's a Hall of Fame point three nine four. Like one player. Uh, <laughs> Has done better, and he hit a 400 for a season. God, baseball players suck. <laughs> Just in general. Okay. Jeremy, I want to see you hit a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. I mean, so do I, actually. <laughs> Wouldn't happen, but, you know, we can all dream. All right. 
the tale of the lost brands news now. Uh, we'll take a break from the uh, from the uh, Earth Day shit to talk about something even more depressing. Me and Tyler, we've chewed up a, a quite a bit of time. Actually, before we get before we get uh, get into uh, this story, we need to talk about this beer, don't we? Yeah. Nice. It's got a really nice citrusy, citrusy bright aroma. I was I was being uh, bitchy about baseball. I forgot to uh, take a moment to actually enjoy the beer. That's actually really nice. It's yeah. a nice, nice bright citrusy, a little bit of tropical fruit, but decent malt base. Still goes into the uh, pale ale that's basically a session IPA, but damn if it isn't good. And I wouldn't even call it a session IPA because it's six percent fucking alcohol. It's basically just a fucking IPA. So it's an IPA. Okay. So. Uh, so that's a good IPA, Ale Smith. Yeah. Please don't call it a pale. Yeah. And anyway. I got it because I was at a random liquor store stocking up for uh, one of the nights, and I was like, "Oh, hey, uh, this is one of the beers that uh, in several of the articles we've talked about with like best beers at baseball stadiums. Uh, this is one of the beers they do for the San Diego Padres." So sweet. All right. Well, I hate baseball slightly less then. <laughs> Because this beer is good. All right. Um, like I said, me and Tyler, we've chewed up quite a bit of time and more than a few megabytes of uh, a storage space talking about Ballast Point uh, from the outrageous sale of $1 billion back in 2015. $1 billion. That's why I said $1 billion. Sounded like you said million. No, I said billion with a B. Okay. No, it's definitely... Be like Ballast Point. <laughs> um, $1 billion. $1 billion. Uh, in 2015, to its subsequent languishing um, on Constellation's portfolio, to the too strange to be fucking true sale to kings and convicts uh, a couple years back, and hopefully the gradual rebuilding of the brand, and um, and the, you know we can uh, uh, go back to enjoying a, a grapefruit sculpin sometime soon. Which I did see it on the shelves down in San Diego. Actually, we had it. Uh, I I found a keg of it here in town. And I put it on draft. Oh, nice. So. Wow. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, the thing is, is that there are two craft beer brands still held captive by Constellation that we really, we, we've mentioned, but nobody has really talked about. Um, and it turns out their tale is no brighter than what happened to Ballast Point. Uh, this week, Good Beer Hunting came out with uh, an article about uh, uh, Funky Buddha and uh, Four Corners. Uh, the two breweries left behind uh, in a piece called uh, uh, Doldshine Constellation Brands. Craft breweries uh, hang on as company afterthought. So, before we dive into this, which one gets sold first? Ooh. Um, based on this article, ugh, I mean, I'd say if either of them get bought, Funky Buddha. I, I would say Funky Buddha, because I'm pretty sure I had Funky Buddha in my Deadpool, too. It, uh, you did, yes. So. Well, there you go. There's the, well, it's not a bet, because we both agreed. Maybe I should take four corners just to be combative. But I already lost one Deadpool. I don't need another one. Perfect. Now we just have to find some small local brewery here to go buy Funky Buddha. <laughs> Powder Haas, you're, fl- you're flush with cash and not doing anything right. Um. The two breweries, in kind of a bitchy move, were barely mentioned um, on in Constellation's fiscal year 2020 summary annual report. And the only time they were mentioned was basically in a, these are the things we own. 
<laughs> you know, uh, in the in the charts and pages touting Constellation's quote beer business focus and its commitment to growth by marketing quote high end beer was absent any mention of Funky Buddha and Four Corners. Um, that would be incredibly insulting if, in fact, there were anybody left at any of these establishments that uh, have enough life in them to be insulted. In my head, I'm basically ma- imagining a building populated by like the stapler guy from uh, from Office Space, <laughs> <laughs> except in Brewer's Boots. <laughs> took my mash paddle. <laughs> I, be- I, believe- I believe you took my mash paddle. It's 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 it's, it's the one with the bigger holes. I think it, it, it's better. I set the building on fire. Um, <laughs> Instead, the high-end beer in question um, are their imported brands. Uh, It's Modelo, Corona, and Pacifico. You know, high-end brands in the same way that Budweiser is a premium lager. Um, Or the delicious IPA is delicious. Hey, why not? (laughs) Just another body blow! (laughs) Sooner or later, Stone is going to come out with something good, and I'll have to eat some of these words, but... They haven't they haven't seen anything yet. Um, of course, there's also makes sense. Modelo is actually America's third best-selling beer. Damn. Corona is number six, and combined, they generate five billion in retail sales this last year. So basically, Funky Buddha and Four Corners bring in what can best be described as a rounding error. Um. They just fixed the error. <laughs> yeah. The really sad thing is that, much like Ballast Point, both of these brands were craft beer rock stars back in the day. Funky Buddha, uh, before they uh, uh, were before they sold in 2017, was kind of leading the way in flavored craft beer. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I think they inspired a lot of Ballast Point's uh, 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 moves in that direction. Um, for better or worse, you can probably attribute. Uh, some of the credit in this trend, you know, be it the, you know, the stouts or a blonde or an IPA by infusing it with herbs and spices or something or other, you know, um, or fucking bacon. That that, that was that's, yeah. you know, um, the 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 big push to 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 do that in craft beer had a lot to do with Funky Buddha. Yeah. Um, Especially on the East Coast. In fact, the in 2017, the Maple Bacon Coffee Porter was named by Mental Floss as one of the top 50 best beers in the country. Um, and in an article about beer ratings in Vine Pair from 2016, uh, Funky Buddha is mentioned as one of these great legacy producers of craft beer that, you know, nerds can't get enough of. And I feel like I completely forgot about Funky Buddha You're right not- around 2017 and... When you were like, Funky Bruda, I was like, oh, I forgot they are owned by Constellation. Um, well, you're not the only one. Apparently, the people that own them have forgotten about them as well. <laughs> um, if that article was written today, though, I mean, they they would have not been mentioned. They would have been as mentioned about as much as they were in their company's annual report. Uh, Four Corners. Um, Never heard of them. Well, they were doing something... That needs to be happening in craft beer. It's actually fucking shocking to me that we don't see it more. Four Corners out of Dallas, Texas, managed to create a brand and a culture that reached out and largely captured uh, the Latinx market. Oh, nice. um, we're talking 
you know, this is, uh, it's like I said, blows my mind because we're talking about a large and growing demographic that is largely untouched by craft beer mm-hmm. uh, that needs to be tapped to keep this industry going. Um, and Four Corners Marketing was was doing it. They were actually marketing to that demographic and being largely successful and growing at a, at a huge pace. And you would fucking think that of all the companies, a parent company that owns Modelo would be able to... That fucking dominates that Latino market. That would be able to take what's already a, you know, a, a brand that's rocketing upward and give it booster rockets. But their story is about the same. Four Corners was acquired in 2018. During that honeymoon phase, um, it moved into a facility uh, that they were that they were going to grow into. Right, Constellation, you know, helped uh, put in the money to build this gigantic facility that would eventually produce seventy five thousand barrels of beer. Damn. Um, although it started out, it had an opening capacity of twenty five thousand, except that they never managed more than eighteen thousand. Ooh. Uh, Constellation, when they acquired Funky Buddha, uh, also they had a ambitious goals for this brand. Um, uh, when they bought it in 2017, they uh, their goal was to double production in a year. And how much do you think they increased it from 2017 to 2018? 5%. 1%. Ooh, that was close. Which is a bit shy of your 100% goal. <laughs> I mean, it's missing a couple of zeros. <laughs> yeah. To quote the article, of, uh, it is now debatable whether Constellation is equipped to manage craft breweries. For me, that's incredibly generous. Because... I was going to say debatable. <laughs> I, Bitch, please. I would argue that. That'd be like saying Michael Jackson is a debatable good babysitter. <laughs> I've... True. I mean, I feel like the debate's been had and the, the evidence is The in. jury's back in... Uh... Well, the, if you'll remember in the Michael Jackson case, the jury came back with the opposite. But, you know, your point is well made. <laughs> um, also, being dead, you can't really you know be a babysitter that way. Um, just, I, I only know this because I have a kid and I've been hungover. It's basically the same thing. <laughs> You just you just sit here and daddy just needs to daddy just needs a minute. <laughs> You're trying to negotiate. You're like buy you a car when you turn twelve. Just just let just let me sleep this off. Please, please don't cry. Um <laughs> I'm I'm proud to say actually I have a pretty good hangover baby. <laughs> father probably shouldn't know that about his infant, but I do, and uh, he's he's not bad. Or at, at least not this soon. <laughs> um anyway, uh uh Less about me being a terrible father. Um, Child but you're, protective. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I think we've successfully proven that Constellation cannot run a craft brewery. These were run by executives that are, you know, are used to managing gigantic national brands. And it doesn't take much knowledge to understand that you can't market a craft brand the same way you would market... Um, Modelo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you probably can speak uh, to this more than I can, you know, with your with a marketing degree. But for me, one is like carpet bombing, and the other is precision strike. Mm-hmm. You you want to uh, market a Ritz Carlton the way you would a fucking Walmart? I mean, you start slashing prices, and you lose your customer base. Okay, fair enough. Although, but uh, you could 
And you're right. No, actually, come think about it. You can keep raising the price of craft beer. keeps bringing people in. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but, um, I mean, the, the point is, is that if if marketing Modelo is, you know, fucking carpet bombing and Funky Buddha is a prison strike, all you had was generals that only knew how to carpet bomb, kept carpet bombing and wondering why the carpet bombing's not working. Yep. Um, and the, when they didn't immediately just start upchucking money like some sort of glorious fountain, um, Constellation moved their resources elsewhere without much of a thought, within like a year of each other. Um, and they let, let these brands just sort of languish uh, on their own until we get to this point, um, this last year, when both brands have uh, uh, are attempting uh, one last Hail Mary pass um, to try to become relevant again. And um, can you guess, Tyler, can you guess what they're trying to do to make them relevant again? Hard seltzer. Oh, God damn it. That's depressing. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> it's the fix all for everything right now. Even, But even that seems like a half-hearted attempt from a company that just cannot be buggered. Um, Dude, I-, I just helped with a Albertsons reset. And... I had to help on the fucking singles door. Okay. Like the 24 cans. Yeah. And oh my God. Like all the fucking new hard seltzer ads where it's truly extra white claw surge, which I thought they were getting sued by Coke for, uh, but apparently they skirted that bitch somehow. Listen, when you've got, when you're, when you're selling, uh, when you're, I think when you're outselling Coke, to be completely honest, you can no, make the no, you no. can you can make them your bitch. No, no, no. <laughs> Coke still owns. <laughs> All right, but they're almost at Bud Light numbers. True, and, but and then you're seeing. I'm pretty sure Steel Reserve came out with a fucking hard seltzer. <laughs> like you got your Pap seltzer, you got all these other fucking seltzers, and you're just like, who the fuck's this? Arizona hard tea seltzer. <laughs> Jesus H Christ. Yes. And I'm just like, Jesus. Pretty soon the beer department is just gonna be the hard seltzer department with a beer door. Well, this has been it's all beer, and this is our last episode. Well, I'm gonna go and <laughs> I, I give up now. Anyway, no. Um But the point is, yeah, it seems like I mean that is where everybody is going, and why not? Why if, if you're a half-assed executive going, well, how, what do we do with these brands? I don't know. Hard seltzer. Um, um, as report, but it does seem like a, a half-assed attempt, as reported in Beer Business Daily. Uh, Garth uh, Hankson, uh, Constellation CFO, said that they were quote toying around with testing what uh, Funky Buddha hard seltzer could look like on a regional basis or even nationally. That's probably not going to be where we have great a great opportunity. Um, and then he called um, Funky Buddha Hard Seltzer one of the irons in the fire, alongside Corona Hard Seltzer. Oh, man. I'm not sure I can I could distill any apathy any greater than that. What do you guys do? So is this important to you? No, no. Uh, yeah, it's something that might work, but I mean, it's it's like Corona Hard Seltzer. Get get the hell out of my face. Now, to try to uh, uh, recapture the interests of the Latina com- uh, community, Four Corners is getting wild and crazy uh, by offering a hard seltzer 
kombucha hybrid. Listen. Listen. I'm not going to pretend that my white ass has any idea how to successfully market to that demographic, but I still feel pretty confident in a story. That kombucha is not fucking it? Listen, seltzerized kombucha, I don't think you could come up with a whiter drink if you could somehow distill and liquefy an HOA meeting. Dude, like, (laughs) hipsters in Portland aren't even that white. Uh, That's like, fuck! (laughs) Like... You already own that, fu- like, Constellation. You own that with the Medela Chiladas, the Soul Chiladas, all those brands already under your fucking portfolio. There's a reason your 24-ounce cans are some of the best-selling in single serve. So, and especially best-selling to fucking Latino populations. So... How the fuck can't you do it? <laughs> I mean, there gets to be a, 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 a... You're trying to put a square dick <laughs> in an X-hole. Is this something that, I, that, I, that you've run into in northern Idaho? No. <laughs> fuck. Uh, that's it. That'd be like opening a fucking Mexican restaurant and being like, you know what? We're gonna serve kung pao chicken. That'll really drive the business here with them. Not, not, not even that good. It'd be like opening a Mexican restaurant and say, "Well, what do you have on the menu?" All I see here is chicken sandwiches and mayonnaise. Yeah, Fuck. yeah. That's that's what we that's that's what we sell, and cornflakes. <laughs> uh, whole grain cereal. <laughs> but we but we jazz it up. We 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 put prunes in it. Avocado toast. <laughs> um, two seltzers. And crickets. Um, the the article stated that um, that uh, Funky Buddha in the past two years um, has only submitted one press release to Brewbound, um, and Four Corners has submitted nothing. Um, Fuck. There, the 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 brands have been completely silent except for these sad little the, these sad little attempts at. Trying to capture—I don't know—I'm not sure. I—I—I I, I, I hesitate to try to capture a market. This is almost like Henderson. You have to do something with Funky Buddha. Uh, I don't know. Should I make a seltzer? Cool. I'm gonna go now. <laughs> I hope to God some small brewery somewhere fucking buys one of these, so it just sets the trend. Wait for Constellation to buy a brewery, and then devalue it and then a small brewery can come in and make the top 50 list because they bring back him well i mean that's the other thing that both uh, both breweries have been you know, went through the same uh reconciliation process that ballast point went through because they overpaid on both of these too yep not quite the billion dollars overpaid but still overpaid they didn't mention what uh, uh the deals went for in this article but it's a sad state of affairs when we're talking about consolation acquired brands and Ballast Point is the fucking success story. <laughs> oh, sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> Tyler, <laughs> if you can wrap your head... <laughs> if you can take a moment to wrap your head around this, uh, uh, do you, what else do you have for us? <laughs> well, to keep on kind of just a fucked brewery's perspective, uh, when I was in San Diego, I sent Jeremy a picture. Yes. Uh... 
I forgot Green Flash Brewing was still even a fucking thing. Well, Green Flash is the turd that just will not flush. Oh, it is the cockroach of fucking craft beer. That bitch can't die. (laughs) Because... It filed bankruptcy and it's still alive! I'm pretty certain they lost their actual brewery, but there is photographic evidence. I can actually put it up on Instagram, too, Uh that... There was green flash packages on a shelf in yeah. a place that was selling them, yeah. I assume. Yeah. And and the thing that really drives home that this wasn't just a one-off is I saw on Beer Twitter someone posted, Green Flash is now distributing over to the UK. Because someone posted a beer. It's like, love all these great California beers that are now in the UK. And it was Belching Beaver, Mother Earth. Green Flash and Alpine. Wait, Alpine's still a thing? Yep, saw Alpine like four shelves below Green Flash because they're owned by Green Flash. I know, I mean, yeah, they're one of the same, but Green Flash really is that brand that will not. <laughs> that they rebranded, consolidated, and somehow squeaked by. We must all be Green Flash. In this time of troubles. So, we must look to Green Flash. Funky Buddha <laughs> has hope. I mean, there's always... They can look to Ballast Point and Green Flash. <laughs> God damn, oh. I can't believe I just said that. I mean, there's something totally depressing, yet, I, again, oddly hopeful. Like, listen, these two brands have been through shit, and they're still alive. There's hope for you, Funky Buddha, and Four Quarters. Well... To wrap up on kind of a bright note, uh, have you have you ever sat down and watched the bubbles of the CO2 bubbling up through your beer and go, I wonder how many CO2 bubbles are in this pint? I mean, only every single time. I count them, but then I get thirsty, and then I ruin it, so I have to start again. So, there's... Uh, Theweek.com the, released a... And I get to the bottom of the pint, and then I realize I don't have any more beer to count, so I have to get another beer. That's actually how I developed alcoholism, is perfect, to try to count yeah. CO2 bubbles. I mean, I and that's see. And that's how we, we got to this podcast, actually. Uh, well, scientists have finally answered that question that's been on everyone's mind, or at least it was on someone's mind. <laughs> it was at least on this scientist's mind. Uh-huh. So, apparently they took some painstaking measurements, calculations, uh, but they have estimated that the number of bubbles produced by a half pint of gently poured lager to be somewhere between 200,000 and 2 million bubbles. That's a shit count. Somewhere between 200,000 and 2 million? (laughs) Uh, Yes, uh... If you're not familiar, the bubbles coming up are actually what help transport the flavor and the aroma and really bring out all the flavors that the brewers want you to taste Mm -hmm. in the beer. Uh, But uh, lead researcher Gerard Liger-Belair, he previously unearthed the number of bubbles in a glass of champagne. It's about a million. There's more than one person studying this. That's <laughs> uh-huh. so they used high speed photography, intricate CO2 measurements, and expert calculations. Uh, they were e- able to track bubble formation from the minute a logger was poured to the second it went flat. I'll tell you what what happened. A bunch of scientists got together. Like, listen, how do we use grant money to just essentially hang out and drink beer? Basically, uh. 
The reason they have such a wide range is because uh, different glasses and different styles of beer uh, are going to influence how many bubbles are in the beer. Of course. Uh, you got uh, you got glasses with laser etches that uh, will, will cause nucleation Asian. points. Yep. Or just good old-fashioned dirty glassware. Yep. Uh, or improper pouring or uh, poor head retention on the beer not being as highly carbonated. There's a mess of different things. Uh, well, I'd imagine they were using a com- like a mass-produced commercial lager. Yes. So, you, so you have a reasonable, a reasonably good chance of it being pretty, a uh, pretty consistently carbonated across the board. So, they determined that they came out and answered a question. I don't think anyone really cared to know the answer to. But next time you're sitting there and at the bar and you want to try to impress someone, you can be like, there's between 200,000 and 2 million bubbles of CO2 in this pint. And the person next to you will be like, cool, cool, man. Um, can you move down a little bit? <laughs> there's a guy here just talking to me about the bubbles in his beer. I, I don't know. Why, why do we always come here? <laughs> Yep. It's where the crazy people hang out. Anyway, <laughs> Tyler, uh, uh, any other uh, uh, scientific facts that no one, asked, uh, no one asked about? Nope. All right. Well, this has been It's All Beer. Uh, uh, as always, you can find uh, the stories that we, uh, uh, we dug into to, uh, uh, and to blab about on our Twitter account. Um, I'll also post them on Facebook when I can fucking be buggered. Um, that'll... That will uh, uh, right now. I have the I have about the uh, uh, the uh, motivation of a uh, constellation uh, uh, craft beer executive. So uh, they're they're gonna get you to a stone lawyer motivation. Okay, <laughs> we'll get there. Just this isn't this isn't the week. This isn't the week. Um, uh, but you can check those out at some point in time. And our Instagram uh, uh, feed where I uh, I'm gonna post some pretty pictures of solar powered breweries and. Uh, uh, a re- the remaining picture of Green Flash, which I feel is like beer Bigfoot, really. I almost bought a six pack. Why didn't you? Because I, w- I was like, I can't, I, I can't, can't support this. <laughs> you can't, <laughs> and yet you're calling like this is this is what we all must be, Green Flash. <laughs> I would, uh, I feel like we should have had a a, a a a little bit of Green Flash beer on this podcast today. Just be like, wow, it's like a relic from days gone by, uh, right? Renee still hasn't got his Sylvia Stout. <laughs> anyway, um, so you can find that kind of shit on our Instagram feed. And as always, if you have, if you run across a news article you would like to talk, like us to talk about, or you have a question, or you have a, a, a that thing that Tyler mentioned that I'm, I'm spacing on right now, um, the uh, uh, creative ways to uh, recycle a pack tech, uh, you can get a hold of us. It's all beer at gmail.com. And as and if you feel so inclined, you're listening to it, listening to us uh, blab on, and you like it, uh, you can leave us a rating on iTunes, on Facebook, probably Stitcher. I'm still not sure. I've never been sure. Uh, but if but if you feel so inclined, uh, uh, put five stars on there. Um, you know, it probably does. it keeps Green Flash alive. <laughs> that is, listen. Every every five star rating keeps Green Flash alive for like another two years. All right, we got one last year, so we're skating on this year. If we don't get another <laughs> one sometime this year, Green Flash will probably. That's like it's like it's like uh, 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 like in Peter Pan where you have to clap if you believe in fairies to keep Tinkerbell alive. 
Rate this podcast to keep Green Flash alive. <laughs> and if Green Flash has died, it's your fault. Yes, I'm talking to you. You in your car right now, driving to work. It's going to be your fault if Green Flash dies. Look Green at the road! <laughs> and look at the road, but leave us a rating when you get to work. Anyway, uh, that'll be all from us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm going to go have Green Flash here. Have fun. I know I'm not. You can't find it. <laughs> Tyler, give me uh, your give me your sounds. G- give me sounds you make. Check, drink, chug, lug, drug. Loud noises. <laughs> this has been uh, this has been poetry with Tyler Zimmerman. <laughs> uh. I'm gonna save that. That's going on the <laughs> that's going on the bag. That's a, that's an Easter egg.